Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode. It's a live episode, folks. That's right. Every Tuesday night on the Spotify Green Room app, I go live to talk with my Ride or Die crew. And then this is also run on Wednesday as a part of my Let's Ride podcast, which as we know is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. For those that don't know, we are a part of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com which is a part of SB Nation. Make sure you check that out. should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And on top of that, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcast. Search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain and subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. I think it's important, as I always do on Tuesdays when I'm live on the Spotify Green Room app, as I wait for people to chime in on the Green Room app, I do a little monologue. Talk about something that's on my mind and today it's a tough one. It's it's a it's one that I I thought about this the other day. <coughs> Excuse me. I thought about this the other day and I put a tweet out there. You can follow me on Twitter at jhartman h a r t m a n underscore p i t. And I thought about Ben Roethlisberger and everyone is down on Ben Roethlisberger. ESPN didn't include him in their top 10 and they had players like Justin Herbert, a rookie, Kyler Murray, what has he ever done in this league? Uh, they had him, they, all of those players above Roethlisberger. And so Roethlisberger is definitely going to have a chip on his shoulder entering 2021. But that's neither here nor there. What I, what I really wanted to talk about today was the narrative surrounding the Steelers. And in the narrative surrounding Ben Roethlisberger, I just kind of played a scenario. And, and I'll let you all listen to this, and then you can chime in if you want. Or if you're listening in audio, uh, you just... You, know, you can always, hey, if you always want to communicate with me, you can find me on Twitter. You can go to the Behind the Steel Curtain webpage, and every single Let's Ride podcast is there in an article form. If you comment, I'll read the comments, and we can talk. We can chash it out. And so I thought about Roethlisberger. So think about this. You know, Roethlisberger had all those turnovers in the playoff game against the Browns last season. And I posed this scenario on Twitter. I said, what if Roethlisberger would have still turned the ball over four times, had the fumble, because the penalty snap, I believe, gets recorded as a fumble, and yet somehow, some way, found a way to win that game. Whether it was the defense stood tall, it doesn't matter. They found a way to win that game. So what if Roethlisberger finds a way to win that game, and after he wins the game, the next round, which I believe they would have played, ah, oh shoot, I think it was either the Bills or the Chiefs, he lost the next game. Would that have changed the narrative surrounding Roethlisberger entering 2021? Think about it. If Roethlisberger still turned the ball over, and that was really important for me when I put these when I, when I went through this scenario, it was important based on the fact that I was thinking that okay, if we have a situation like this, I still wanted to make sure that I felt if Roethlisberger would have still turned the ball over as much as he did but found a way to win, and then losing in the divisional round, would the narrative be different? I think it would be. I think it absolutely would be different. And I also think that the Steelers, in and of itself, the narrative would be different. If they would have found a way to beat the Cleveland Browns, I don't think they would have been favored in any matchup at all 
in the next round, the divisional round. And so I think that if they would have at least found a way to beat the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs last season, the narrative surrounding not just Ben Roethlisberger, but the Pittsburgh Steelers would have been completely different. I mean, I hate to use these because they're they're basically garbage, but it's something that we can talk about. It's something that we debate. It's Heck, the fact that I'm here talking about this on my Let's Ride podcast means that ESPN has done their job. When they put out the top 10 rankings, people take notice when it comes to buy position. Buy position. Okay, so when Ben Roethlisberger is left out of the top 10, people like myself, which I did on Tuesday, I'm going to write the article for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, which states, guess what? Ben Roethlisberger is left off of the elite quarterback list by ESPN. Then Minka Fitzpatrick, he's, you know, the, the top safety and TJ Watts number two behind Miles Garrett. It all is, it's all news fodder. They have to find a way to fill the space. I get it. But at the same time, I still do believe that if the Steelers would have finished that game against Cleveland differently, the narrative, even if they didn't win a Super Bowl, even if they lost in the next round, would be different. And so let's bring this full circle. If that's the situation, if we are talking about just one game going a little bit different, if we're just talking about that, is the narrative that Ben Roethlisberger is done, washed up, and as it has been, is it really appropriate? I mean, think about what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is... That if Ben Roethlisberger, and I've had a lot of people on Twitter say that it would have been 100% different if Roethlisberger would have found a way to win, and even if they go on and lose, the narrative would be different. If that's all it took, and remember, in the scenario, it was based on him still turning the ball over. I'm not saying that Ben played a perfect game through three touchdowns, no t- no interceptions. It was very clean. No, if, if he still turned it over, exactly how would the narrative change in, in the vast majority the vast majority of my followers that chimed in on this scenario said they would be different. So if it's different, if the narrative would be different after just the outcome of the game, then maybe the narrative is wrong to begin with. Maybe it's right. I don't know. I still think, and I got into a, uh, it wasn't a heated discussion. I don't do heated discussions on Twitter because it's absolutely pointless. I got into a discussion with a fan who does not like Roethlisberger, thinks he's too old, thinks he's washed up. And he said that he would take 20 quarterbacks in the NFL over Roethlisberger. Well, clearly I disagree with that. But, you know, I, I just want to know, I got to be honest. I think that Roethlisberger still has a lot left. I think that Roethlisberger certainly is capable of winning football games. I think that if the Steelers can run the football, and that's a big if, by the way. Let me say that. If they can run the ball, Roethlisberger will be just fine. Is he a lead anymore? I don't know. I don't know. Let's also not forget here, people, that when we're talking about Ben Roethlisberger and the narrative surrounding him, which uh, coincides with the narrative surrounding the Steelers, that when we're talking about this stuff, let's also not forget that he had complete, he had basically had a completely redone elbow after 2019. Let's just keep that in mind because it's important to note. It really is. All right, we have our first speaker request on the locker room app. Let's get this individual on. We have Brian What's up, Brian? You're muted, Brian. Unmute yourself. There you go. What's up? There we go. So, uh, just had to to join in because um, hearing somebody say that they would take twenty quarterbacks over Big Ben, I don't see it. 
I don't think that there is a player playing the game who says, yeah, there's definitely 20, 20 quarterbacks that are better than Big Ben. So I, I completely disagree with that. But I have a, a question um, not only for you but for anybody. Um, if Big Ben is successful this season and – I'm not even saying Super Bowl. I'm just saying he goes 15 games out of the the 17. He actually plays good. He shows that he's got he's still got it in the tank. We win a playoff game or two. Do you, do you let him walk or do you do you try and do something pick up some of those void years? Like and like I said, to you and to anybody else. I mean, Ed, I'm all over your your Twitter page, so they can easily find me. Um, yeah, but I, I'm I'm curious about that because if everybody is so ready for Big Ben to be done and the Steelers to move on, what if he still got it? Would anybody really like to see Big Ben on the other side of the field against us? Because I for sure definitely do not want to see that ever happen ever in my entire life. Well, let me first address, Brian, something you said right off the bat, and that is the fact that when we were talking about, when I was talking about the top 10 and stuff like that with Roethlisberger, I never once, I never once thought that I would, that he should be a top 10 player, or a top 5 player, I should say. And, you know, there, you have your Tom Brady's, your Aaron Rodgers, your Patrick Mahomes, like those quarterbacks are, they're it right now, for sure. But when it comes to your question about, what if Roethlisberger plays well? I'm going to answer this a little different than most because some would say we want him gone no matter what. And some would say we want him back no matter what. I'm going to go a different route. And I'm going to tell you that it all depends on what they have behind him. So hear me out. Let's say, because remember, Mason Rudolph, they they gave him that extension for a reason. They wanted that insurance policy in case things go south. They wanted that insurance policy. And so with Roethlisberger, if he can't play, they have at least Mason Rudolph for that next season in 2022. But what if Dwayne Haskins is a good quarterback and they see a lot of future, but they see a future with him. A lot of people disagree with that. I'm not saying that is what I think. I'm just saying, what if, what if Mason Rudolph plays really, really well? And he, they think he's the future. I feel like if they had two players that are quality backups, that the Steelers, would be comfortable with saying, Ben, it's okay if you go. However, I do still think that they are ridiculously loyal, almost to a fault, to Ben Roethlisberger. Why? He won them two Super Bowls. And if he says, I want to come back for another year, I bet they have him back. Unless he completely falls flat on his face. Unless he can't make the throws anymore. Unless he can't do the things that make him great, like the mobility, the escapability. Then... Maybe they say, the poor Troy, Palomalu, Heinz Ward, hey, we know you're doing a good job, but we just don't see a spot for you anymore. We'd like for you to retire as a Steeler. If not, you know, we're going to cut you. And then they have a choice to make. But, you know, Brian, good question. Let's go to our next speaker on. We have Logan. What's up, Logan? What's up? I wanted to go in a different direction than what Brian just went in. I wanted to talk about the defense. Sure. Especially when I want to ask you that. Do you have confidence in the defense in the final drive if 
let's say the offense has not the offense, but the Steelers have a seven to three point lead. Seven to three. Uh, what a boring game. <laughs> um, do I have confidence in the defense? You know, this is one of the things. You know, I did. I did a podcast on Monday. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. And it was about how the uncertainty surrounding the twenty twenty one Steelers, in my opinion, is real. It is real. And I would love nothing more, Logan, than to tell you right now on this show, live on the air, that, hey, I am confident. They're going to make the stop. But I don't know that. I don't know that based on the fact that I already know that there's a lot of turnover on that defense, that you have to replace Bud Dupree. You have to replace Mike Hilton. You have to replace Steven Nelson. And while we, myself, and many others sit here and we talk about it and we write about it and we, you know, preach about how the Steelers will be just fine. They'll be just fine. We don't know. No one knows. It's impossible to know until you actually get on the field. Do I think that they have a legitimate shot at being a defense that can get that stop when you need it? Yes. Do I have some hesitation in certain areas? Yeah. If I'm being realistic, I do. I'm I'm not sure if Alex Highsmith is going to be able to fill in right away like Bud Dupree played before his knee injury last season. I don't know if they have Mike Hilton's replacement on the roster. I'm not even sure how they're going to utilize Cam Sutton this year. So, Logan, I'll let you answer your own question. Are you confident that they're going to get the stop as we sit here right now in July? Um, Looking in the past, the reason why I thought about this question, because I thought about in 2018, I think what started the Steelers locking up recently on defense is the Patriots game. Because I'm going to be honest, I had not much confidence with Tom Brady driving that they were going to stop him in the red zone. And then looking back at it in 2019, this is what I found doing research, that they stopped teams six times, six different teams. And in 2020, they stopped five different teams from scoring late in the game to help the opposing team win. So um, that's about, like on average, like five teams, at least in the past two years, that they're going to stop. So I would say I have confidence. If you're, so hold, you know, hold on, Logan. I don't want to interrupt you, but go into – so what did you research? Did you research fourth quarter game-winning drives? or like, What was your criteria? I'm not debating your stats. I'm just curious. I just did this um, solely on my own. I just looked, did the defense right. get a stop when they were leading by seven or three? And I can okay. go over the games. I've been written down if you want me to. No, no, no. I'm just curious is the criteria. So you're, there, you're talking about a three-point lead or a seven-point lead. Yeah. Fourth quarter, did they get a stop when they needed it? So you're saying in 2019, they did it six times? Yep. And in 2020, they did it five? Yes. And out, do you know off the top of your head, or unless you wrote this down, out of how many opportunities were there in both of those seasons? I'm not sure about the opportunities, but I would assume that with those numbers, it's pretty successful. Like, it's got to be at least over 50%, you got to think. Well, I mean, I'm not even sure how many times they were in that situation in 2020 up until the end of the season. You know, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. th- there were some close games. There were some close games. I would be really curious to check on that. Check on the, the number six. That's pretty impressive. Five, that's pretty good, I would think. Um, but look and see how many, and you don't have to do this right now. You can call in next week um, and say, okay, I looked it up. They did. They got. They only surrendered the points two times, so that would have been six out of eight. That's a pretty good percentage, or something like that. But uh, so you think that success is going to bleed its way into twenty twenty one? Yeah, I 
don't see why not. You have all your key pieces. Granted, you lost Bud Dupree, but he was hurt in, what, week 12? So it's not like you haven't played without Bud Dupree. Mike right. Hilton was a liability in, in pass coverage, so I don't see much change in this defense. I like it, Logan. I like it. I like the positivity. Thanks for chiming in. If you want to chime in later, by all means, go ahead and do so. If you want to chime in on the Spotify Green Room app, go ahead and put in a speaker request. I'd love to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers with you. Or if you're an iOS user, not an Android user, you can always discuss things with me via the discussion tab. We're about the midway point of the show. I'm going to take a quick break. If you're listening live on the Spotify Green Room app, don't go anywhere because I'm not going anywhere. But on the audio side, we'll be right back after this break. Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, the senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here for another live Let's Ride podcast here on Tuesday night on the Spotify Green Room app. Make sure you download that app. It is completely free for both iOS and Android users. Android users, it's a beta version. It's not the full app, but it's something. It's something that you can still chime in and talk with me. So let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. And if you want to talk on the Spotify Green Room app, please just let me know. Put in a speaker request. But Jay Campbell. That's my ride or die crew. They absolutely, they, they were successful. They did put in some good questions tonight. Jay Campbell says, what do you think about the latest Ben Roethlisberger diet and mentality rumors? Hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you, Jay Campbell. If you didn't hear, he's talking about Roethlisberger is supposedly in a, a mode where he's eating really healthy. The, the, the rumor I heard was that it's making the TB12 diet look kind of soft. I mean, he's really cr- cracking down. He is focused. He is late. He's in good shape. What do I think about those rumors? I don't understand why this is such a, a big deal. I don't. I, he's not showing up to camp looking like Jared Lorenzen, people. I don't understand where everyone is infatuated with this guy's weight. He is a big person. He's a big individual. He's. I, I just don't understand, but it's good news. This is not breaking news. This is not even news as in it's different from previous seasons, he's been coming into camp looking good. He's been coming into camp in good shape. It just so happens that last season he was coming off, like I said at the beginning of the show, a season-ending elbow rehabilitation, and that's a big deal. And so his arm had to be rehabbed, and he didn't probably have enough time to get the rest of his body right. He should be good this season if he did everything that they're rumored to say that he has. Amendez says, thought we would hear news of a veteran outside linebacker signing by this week leading up to camp but nothing your thoughts on this you know Mendez, i've been i've been hoping fingers crossed that the steelers are going to utilize this david DeCastro money that they freed up by releasing him in some way shape or form and it just hasn't happened yet um there's a lot of people that are looking at different players and different scenarios and what could they do and who could they bring in for me I'm not surprised anymore. I've kind of lowered my expectations for those free agent visits. I honestly do feel that the Steelers are, they're, they're going to play with fire in my opinion, but they're going to sit back, <clears throat> excuse me, they're going to wait and they're going to see who's available after training camp. When the cuts are made, <clears throat> who's available? Because I, in my opinion, 
they're looking at the outside linebacker position and saying, if we need a player, we need someone that can do one thing, rush the passer. Just rush the passer. Just get after it. And I feel like they could, they probably think that, okay, so if Justin Houston is still available at that time, he's probably really cheap because he probably wants to play. And if it's not someone like Justin Houston or Melvin Ingram, then it could be someone that got cut that maybe all they're good at is rushing the passer. Think of a Carl Lawson as a good example. Carl Lawson's not really known for his ability to stop the run or anything like that, but he can rush the passer. You find someone like that, you have a situational pass rusher, you can have that number three, you add him in with Quincy Roche and Cassius Marsh, and suddenly you have a decent squad there. But, Amendez, to answer your question, I thought it would happen by now. It just hasn't. All right, Tent Worms says, when's the rookie center signing? I swear to you all, uh, you all don't know how the back end of our website works, but there are certain articles that we can do what are called pre-writes. This is not anything new. This is not groundbreaking. It's essentially you know what's going to happen eventually, and so you get all the work done. And this is a situation because of the Pittsburgh Steelers, not just the Steelers, but the NFL and the collective bargaining agreement with the NFLPA. They're able to say, if you're drafted in this round, you're going to make this much money. And so Kendrick Green is the only Steelers player that has yet to sign his rookie contract. The only one. And we've gone ahead and we did everything. We did everything. We got all of Dave Schofield, not just myself. He put in all of the information about how much money he's going to make, about how much of a signing bonus he's going to get, about his salary cap hit. All of that stuff is in there. All we're waiting for is him to sign on the dotted line. He just hasn't done it yet. He just hasn't done it yet. So for whatever reason, Kendrick Green has yet to be signed. I'm not sure what is holding up that process. But nonetheless, it's something that needs to be done uh, before training camp, which I would assume will happen for sure. Artie Bones is in the locker room, or sorry, not locker room anymore, the Spotify Green Room. I'm saying go Dolphins. I think you're in the wrong room, buddy. Uh, this is a Steelers chat, and he's gone anyways. So get him out of here. No one wants to talk about the Dolphins anyways. If you want to talk live on the Spotify Green Room app, please put in a speaker request. Be glad to talk to you. Talk about anything black and gold related, Pittsburgh Steelers preferably. In the meantime, we're going to dive back into the Twitter mailbag, Todd Hall. He says, hey, Jeff, I know it's a done deal and has been discussed, but do you think not going to Latrobe will pay off or hurt the team? I'm old school and think there's something to being away and just focusing on the season with limited distractions. And to be totally honest, uh, to answer your question, Todd, I used to believe, I used to be just like you and think, okay, this is a situation where the Steelers are old school. They like to get out of town. They like to get away from the fanfare, get away from the riffraff, as they used to say. And anymore, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it because I don't think the Steelers buy it. Uh, it was when Art Rooney II came out and said, if there's no fans there, we don't want to go. And when Mike Tomlin said, you know, we look forward to it, but we're going we're gonna to benefit from the familiarity of Heinz Field and our home complex. When I heard those things, it became very clear. They don't value the college time, the college experience. They don't value that. They want to give their fans an experience, and that's fine. But don't sit here and try to sell me on something, some experience that is completely fabricated it's for the fans and that's great we're fans we should be happy but ultimately i look at this and say yeah but don't blow smoke like mike tomlin don't tell me how great this is to get away when now you're touting how great it is to stay home 
I would want to, I would think that you would hear Mike Tomlin say, we wanted to be in Latrobe. We like it there. It's better for us there. And instead what we're hearing is, well, it is what it is. And we're going to, this is where we're going to thrive. I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it anymore. I'm old school like you, Todd, but still, I just don't buy it. Next question comes from Zibs. Zibs says, the spot beside Devin Bush at inside linebacker will most likely be either Robert Spillane or Vince Williams. What do you think each player brings to the table in particular and whose skill set do you think would be best fit to complement Bush? Well, to answer your question, Zibs, it is both. I don't think it's going to be one or the other. Like Robert Spillane is a very good Robert Splane is a very good linebacker when he's asked to do certain things. Vince Williams is a very good linebacker when he's asked to do certain things. The question is, can the Steelers defense function properly if Vince Williams or Robert Splane is stuck on the field when they're not in a position to do what they do best? That's where they've struggled in the past. Vince Williams is a run stuffer, and typically when he's paired with someone like a Devin Bush, like a Ryan Shazier, athletic, fast, sideline-to-sideline linebacker, he thrives. He's a little bit older now, so that's a little different. Robert Spillane, he has his limitations. I think you're going to see the Steelers use both Spillane and Williams together to make sure that they can kind of really put together the pieces of the puzzle and just hope that their sub packages don't let them down. But remember, Devin Bush is, people get confused with this. When the sub packages go on the field and you're taking a linebacker off most of the time, Devin Bush is the one that's going to stay on the field. He's the one that's going to be playing close to 100% of the defensive snaps. And so everyone wants to freak out about sub packages. That's great. You don't have to worry about the sub packages when it comes to linebacker play. You need to worry about things like Ken the opposing offense abused the Steelers when they're in their base defense. That's the concern. Getting a Vince Williams in coverage. Who will ever forget? I know I won't. Who will ever forget watching Keenan Allen go against John Bostick at Heinz Field and watching them literally just pick him apart? That's called good coaching on for the Chargers and horrible coaching and horrible preparation for the Steelers. So, Zibs, I hope I answered your question. That was a long way around it. All right, here we go. Next question on the Twitter mailbag. Pensburg says, Najee Harris reminds me a lot of Le'Veon Bell, just size and speed. I do, however, think that Najee will find the end zone more. Le'Veon Bell's highest rushing totals, touchdown totals, were nine, and his highest t- t- total touchdown total, <laughs> total touchdown total, that's funny, was 11. Do you think Najee beats both of these as a rookie? Okay, let's dive into this a little bit here. So Najee and Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell's highest rushing touchdown total is nine. I'm not sure if Najee's going to get there as a rookie, but when you look at the total touchdowns being 11, I could see him getting there as a rookie. I think they're going to use Najee Harris in the passing game way more than anyone is predicting. Everyone wants to talk about Najee Harris's vision, his burst, his lateral quickness, all that stuff. And that's all true. That's all true. But the one thing no one's talking about is his pass-catching ability. This guy can handle the football in the passing game. They're going to use him out wide. He's going to be a weapon, a weapon like the Steelers have not had since Le'Veon Bell, and I'm talking about 2014-2015 Le'Veon Bell, when, in my opinion, 
he was the best offensive player in football. That wasn't a quarterback. <laughs> Let me freeze that. The best non-quarterback offensive player in football. Okay, let's get another uh, speaker request here. Brian wants to talk again. Let's get Brian on. Oh, let's see if I can get if I can figure this. Here we go. Here we go. Brian, what's up? Hey, uh, just a real quick question um, because I, I saw two different uh, polls today, um, and each one of them had at least one person ahead of T.J. Watt. Uh, in your opinion, do you think T.J. is the best edge rusher in the league? When you say best, do you mean like technician, or do you just mean maximum most, effort and result? End result, um, most uh, productive. We'll put it that way. Okay. Um, in terms of productivity, getting it. Sorry. In, in, <laughs> it's in, no, it's okay. Actually, yeah. Okay. In terms of him actually being productive, no one, no one matches him. The numbers tell tell us that. However, if you're talking about being a technician and being the best off the edge, having the best bend, then it's probably not Jeffrey Benedict, who knows, and and so has Kevin Smith or Cliff Harris is still a punk on our website. They've broken down how T.J. Watt is. He's an effort pass rusher, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's been effort pass rushers that have made the Hall of Fame. But he is also very technically sound, but it's a situation where there are ones that are better, like Vaughn Miller is tremendous. And even Miles Garrett, even though I can't stand him, he's a very good technically sound. He's a freak of an athlete. TJ Watt just wants it more. <laughs> and so, and like you said, that's why I asked you, it comes down to productivity. If you're talking about just, hey, the numbers are the numbers, then you can't debate that. He's the best. He's the best by far. Is that what you think? I agree 100%. Um, I don't like that everybody tries to put Miles Garrett ahead of him. Um, but that's mainly because, you know, Miles Garrett is just a freak of an athlete. Um, and TJ, like you said, he's not that, that um, jaw dropping, oh my God, he was crafted in a lab. You said that uh, last week. Um, yeah. about Miles Garrett. That's not TJ. But like you said, TJ wants it more. If it comes down to heart, then TJ by a mile is number one. Um, and I definitely think that he should have been uh, our at least once defensive player of the year. But that's that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But I agree, Brian. Thank you for chiming in. I appreciate it. It's a situation where, yes, T.J. Watt is a player that, you know, it's not just about heart. And I know Brian didn't say that it was only characteristic. It's not just about heart. It's about productivity, and he's done it. He's done it every single season. He's been in the National Football League. His stats have gone up, and you think if he can stay healthy with the 17th game, it's going to continue going in that direction. Let's go back to uh, the Twitter mailbag to finish out the show here. Pitt Sportbot says, how much of Canada's schemes do you think – we will see in the preseason. I know you don't want to tip your hand, but also need true practice reps against opponents. Um, I think vanilla is what you're going to see. You're going to see sets. You're going to see formations. You might see some motions and things like that, but when it comes to actually debuting the offense, no, you don't want to tip your hand. You don't want to give the opponent, in this case, the Buffalo Bills in week one, any 
opportunity to get comfortable. Comfortable. You don't want to do that. So it's going to be vanilla, and you're going to see quarterbacks that are not Ben Roethlisberger, and it's just going to be a situation where we, the fans, are going to have to decipher what's what. What is just for show, and what is going to be the actual thing in week one. And if we don't know, they don't know, and that's a good thing. Uh, let's see here. Kliuch, I think I said that correctly. He says, what was a better chance? Of, what has a better chance of holding up throughout the 2021 season? Devin Bush's knee or the Steelers' offensive line? Shoosh. Okay, so which has a better chance of holding up? I'd like to think both have a really good chance of holding up. I mean, Devin Bush tore an ACL, and that's tough, but he did it early in last season. Rehab is typically pretty solid. It's not what it used to be in terms of the gruesome knee injury. And I think the Steelers' offensive line is going to be better than people think. But if I had to pick one, I'm going to say that the better chance of holding up is, we'll just say, Devin Bush's knee. All right, last question here. The Believers said, is the quarterback depth chart still look like Mason Rudolph is number two? I've heard so many conflicting reports about Dwayne Haskins. So in this case, everything that I've read and seen and heard is that Mason Rudolph is the clear-cut number two, and it's a battle between Joshua Dobbs and Dwayne Haskins for the number three spot on the Steelers quarterback depth chart. Could that change? Maybe. But you have to ask yourself, what would have to happen for that to change? Literally, what would have to happen for Mason Rudolph to lose the number? And this is barring injury. Clearly, not just, you know, obviously he gets hurt. That's a different story. But what would have to happen for someone like Dwayne Haskins to leapfrog Mason Rudolph? And that's, that's, that's tough. I don't know what the answer to that question is. But that is the depth chart right now, heading into training camp, heading into uh, the preseason. It's going to be exciting. Uh, I hope that everyone out there that's listening remembers that this show, which is right now live on the Spotify Green Room app, is also a part of the my. Our, it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. Anywhere you get your podcasts, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do so that you do not miss a thing. Also, but we are a part of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. I thank you to everyone that chimed in to the podcast tonight. I will be back next Tuesday as we always finish it out here. Be safe. Be kind. God bless. Have a good one. We'll see you on Friday. My candles burning bright.